The Vikings pulled off an unthinkable victory in the face of incredibly adverse circumstances. How did Kevin O'Connell and Josh Dobbs do it? Let's go deep on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, liked it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, 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 welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to those of you who do listen to this show every single day. My hashtag every day is a love hearing from you. Uh, for those of you who are new, this show can be found anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is uh, a podcast listening place like Sirius XM, which we're partnered with, as well as Amazon Fire and Roku. Uh, just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. You can also find the show on YouTube. And of course, my name is Luke Braun, and I'll be your host. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off of your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, so after hashtag watching the tape, this game truly is mind boggling. Um, you can see it. You might have already watched uh, a video or two about it if you if you like to watch film YouTube videos. Uh, you should go to patreon.com slash NFL. You can find one of mine um, about this Josh Dobbs thing as well as some Jaron Hall talk, which uh, fewer people are doing. But J.T. Sullivan did one. The Vikings themselves have released several film pieces. There's a, a lot of people diving into this because it's just such a compelling game. Josh Dobbs taking the win and actually playing well, at least under the circumstances, uh, and accomplishing something that I don't think a lot of people in the world can accomplish. Um, a lot of the starters in the league get the luxury of, you know, being in training camp with their teams. Josh Dobbs is like very uniquely suited to pull off something like this. So how did they do it? How did Kevin O'Connell and Joshua Dobbs do it? There's been all kinds of reports and stuff. Let's aggregate it all together and put together the full story. Plus there's some stuff on the run game and the defense that I would like to talk about as well. Um, but when Jaron Hall goes down in this one, he goes down on a third down play. That ends up, you know, the, the Vikings will go kick a field goal and then the Falcons have a hold drive. So you've got a little bit to say to Joshua Dobbs, hey, you're going in, let's get ready. Um, and that's where you get the moments like him, you know, working his cadence with the offensive linemen and just scrambling to get all of these little details that you normally take for granted under control. And in fact, they do mess up one snap. Uh, there was one botched snap. Dobbs fell right on it, so it wasn't a huge impact. Uh, but it was JT O'Sullivan on the QB school explained it really well. Um, it was a zone running rep. So Bradbury, who is trying to reach a, a, a two technique, a two eye needs to go like step really, really hard laterally at the same time as snapping. He can't snap then step. That's too slow. He has to move laterally. Um, and, Cousins is used to that, right? Cousins and Jaron Hall and everybody that's taken these snaps is used to moving their hands along with that motion so that 
the center can snap and move at the same time and get out there a little bit faster. Dobbs was not used to that. The snap exchange gets fumbled and we have to chew up and down. Um, that stuff will happen. But I think what people are more intrigued by is just how he got to like doing reads because there were actual progressions in this game. I mean, there were times when you saw Joshua Dobbs look and say, no, 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 yes, and throw something. First off, you got to understand that that is unthinkable. Um, having that described to you in the moment and then doing it is so, so, so difficult because those complexity, I mean, like, have you seen an NFL play call, <laughs> like a passing play call? If you're not intimately familiar with all the little spots of on it, and if you don't get to spend some time sitting it down and kind of mulling it over to absorb all of that information and then like act upon it requires a very specific kind of intelligence. Um, and honestly, it's not the kind of intelligence you hear about with Joshua Dobbs being like a rocket scientist. Cause that's what he did in college, like a NASA guy. It's, it's not like, that's a book learning thing to me. This is like an absorbing information thing, which I guess it, to be an, in, in academia, you have to be good at that. Like that's a, that's a skill for like college. Most NFL players went to college. Sometimes it was, we're running stick, you know, stick, right? We're running stick, read out stick. Uh, stick is in everybody's playbook, right? It's just a bunch of outs, basically. Um, that's, that's everybody runs that, and Joshua Dobbs knows how to do it. Um, but with some of those more, I'm not even going to call them advanced concepts, but just more Vikings concepts, more unique to this offense that, that aren't so universal, um, it had to be this, like, explain on the fly thing where O'Connell would read out the play call, just say and, and tell Josh Dobbs, like, okay, here's what you say in the huddle. Repeat these words. Here they are. And then Joshua Dobbs would repeat those words in the huddle. Sometimes in the huddle, he would ask a receiver or somebody, what does that mean that I have? You know, what can you tell me about that? What should I look out for on this? And if we have time in the huddle, you know, you can get a question answered or two. But you're going to try to break that huddle really fast so that you have a lot of time before the headsets cut out at 15 seconds on the play clock. And the abject catastrophes were what really compelled me about this one because there were so many plays where this thing just broke, where guys didn't know what route they were supposed to run, where the protections weren't called properly and there was instant pressure, where just the, the quarterback just didn't know what play he was looking at. He didn't really understand what he was supposed to do. Um, there were so many instances of that. And of course there were, right? Uh, this is something a lot of people have gotten very touchy about this because it is a very cool game by Joshua Dobbs. Nobody disagrees with that. But I think people have started to feel like as we sort of realize, oh, wow, this was really broken. Like this didn't actually work. And it was just kind of Joshua Dobbs running around and scrambling to get first downs. That That's probably unsustainable. Um, I think people have mistaken that for like pushing your glasses up your nose and saying, actually, it wasn't a good game, which nobody's saying. That's certainly not what I'm saying. Um, it was an awesome game, but it's a sustainability question. Um, there's one play, I, I posted it on Twitter, that just boggles my mind, where, for one, Josh Dobbs is audibling, which how in the world do we get that in there? How did, how did we figure that out in like five days? That's awesome. But... 
he's not do, something's not going right because Cam Akers doesn't know the call and he looks visibly confused. And the O-line is trying to adjust their protection as well, and they don't do it properly. So there's multiple miscommunications happening. When you get a miscommunication on offense, it's like catastrophic a lot of the time. That's where you get those balls thrown to nowhere, where, you know, that that's where you get interceptions where you go, how in the world did he get that far off of the guy, you know? You, th- that's where the worst stuff happens to you. And the play that I'm describing... First down Vikings, Josh Dobbs scrambled. I don't know what to say about that other than, wow, how cool is that? But also never do that again. (laughs) Real glad that that happened. We're not relying on that anymore. But if you want to know the process of how this went down, for one, they ran a lot of the classics, a lot of the staples, a lot of stick, a lot of keeper flood, a lot of, you know, uh, we curl flat. We know how to run that, right? That gets very easy to defend if that's all you can do, right? That's not a very interesting offense. It's the one we could do, but you can't exactly roll in, into this New Orleans game with just like that prepared, right? You got to get a little bit harder, and that's going to be the test for Josh Dobbs. Um, and then also just Kevin O'Connell explaining things in that 10 to 15 seconds between breaking the huddle and probably more like 5 to 10 seconds between breaking the huddle and uh, getting into the actual lineup and the, and the headset cutting off. Um it's, it's a lot of really cool stuff, but there's more than this quarterback thing that went on in this game. And I do want to shout out stuff about the defense. I haven't really talked about it all this whole week. And um, just a real quick word on what's going on with the run game, because it's kind of bad. So <laughs> all that's coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Getting tickets to events, and especially NFL games, can be an absolute nightmare, especially if you're trying to go last minute. If you're just spontaneously saying, hey, let's go to a game this Sunday and you log on and uh, tickets are like $4,000 and they're really hard to find and you can only get the nose. It's it's a nightmare. Game Time wants to help you navigate that nightmare and actually get you an experience that is worth going to. So go through the Game Time app uh, and see if you can't find something that you like. It doesn't have to be an NFL game. It can be concerts, other sporting events. You know, the Wolves are going on now. Um, take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. They've got flash deals, sponsored deals on all kinds of tickets. You can pick the section, and Game Time will pick the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So download the Game Time app and create an account and use code LOCKEDONNFL and you can get 20 bucks off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks again to those of you who uh, show up and listen to Lockdown Vikings every single day. My hashtag everydayers. I love you all dearly. Uh, if you want more visual stuff than what can happen on what is large majority in audio medium, check out patreon.com slash NFL. Uh, also check out the kickoff show on Fridays. It's on the Lockdown Vikings YouTube channel, any Lockdown NFL uh, YouTube channel, any of like the 32 teams in the Lockdown NFL channel will have a live show previewing that weekend's games and talking a little bit about, a bit about Thursday night football. Um, a real quick word on the run game. So the run game had led up like a lot of TFLs, like a lot of TFLs. Uh, and so I was really curious to look at all of those TFLs 
and say, what happened on all of these? Was it like one person getting killed a lot? And my live eye said, man, it just seemed like Bradbury played really bad. And he definitely had a couple that were not good. That were what I noticed. Not as bad as I thought on live, on live viewing, um, or at least stuff that just wasn't quite his fault. Uh, I think the problem was twofold. For one, I think both running backs still were taking things a little too wide and were too reticent to cut back. And they had to cut back every single time because of the second thing, which is we just weren't reaching guys. Bradbury wasn't reaching guys. Ingram wasn't, wasn't reaching guys. Reisner wasn't reaching guys. O'Neal wasn't reaching guys. And that in and of itself is not an issue because if you can't get the reach in zone blocking, if you cannot get to that guy's play side shoulder, you just drive him out. Just say, okay, if I, if you're gonna, if I must be on this shoulder of yours, if you really want to go lateral that hard, then let's go lateral, and I'm gonna drive you all the way to the sideline and hand you back to your coach. That's fine. That's absolutely a great way to play it as as an O lineman, and then it's on the running back to to cut it back and find the right lane, depending on who got their reach and who's driving. Um, if everybody drives, you should have a great cutback lane, and then those runs just bend back across all the gaps and. We had a couple where Madison did that fine. We had a couple where Akers did that fine. But I think uh, they were not consistent enough about that at running back. But the reason that we could never reach is a little bit more systemic and in a in a roundabout way a result of the Josh Dobbs is new of it all. Um, the Falcons do the same thing the Panthers do on defensive line against zone running, which is that they react to the zone action. So if you are looking at a lineman, if you're a D lineman, you're looking at an O lineman, uh, and that guy steps really hard to your left, you step really hard to the left as well. And if he steps to the right, you step to the right as well. And you just They just flow like that. And that's because, hey, look, on zone, they're trying to get to my play side shoulder. I'm going to deny them that. I'll give them my other shoulder and make it so that the running back has to work harder. That's going to work really well. That's super exploitable, but to exploit it, requires access to the whole playbook, which the Vikings didn't have. Um, that's really, I think, what what went wrong more so with, with the playbook, uh, with the run game. And it meant that there were a lot of situations where it didn't matter which running back, Madison or Akers, just had a dude in his lap immediately, and there's nothing you can do about that, um, where that guy's just got across and penetrated. And I think it, part of it is the Falcons just being better at getting lateral than the Vikings were. And, and congrats to them on all of those plays. Like, they just kind of physically did that better. But it, it's also a confluence of things where they were committing so hard to doing that to get that victory, and the Vikings were unable to punish it because they didn't have access to their whole playbook. So I don't expect that particular root of the problem to continue. Um, it's not the only thing that's gone wrong with the run game this year, though. And I think this one in particular just has a unique root cause compared to all the other times the run game hasn't gone well because the running back didn't play well or the line didn't block well or what have you, right? Each game is its own beast. So we'll see what happens in the Saints game. And I, I don't even know if the Saints play things the same way uh, or what kind of playbook we're going to have access to with Joshua Dobbs. I want to flip over to the defense, though, and talk about how the Vikings were able to play as well as they did on defense, because this was ultimately a pretty good game on defense. They they gave up 28 points. They gave up a lot of scoring drives, but they had a lot of drives start in scoring position. In particular, one started on the one yard line and was a field goal. And another one 
um, you know, the Falcons had the ball in field goal range and just got a free field goal, even though they weren't really able to move the ball. Um, there were a couple of drives that didn't go well, and the rest of them did go well for the defense. I'd say that's a pretty good day at the office uh, on, on the whole. So how did they do it? And I'm, I, I hate to say it, a lot of it was just Heineke not being very good at quarterback. <laughs> there were opportunities, but he would sail them high. He threw almost threw a horrific interception to Byron Murphy if Byron Murphy could catch it. Um, he he tried a lot of deep shots, and they just landed in total no man's land, like not even close to the point where I'm wondering if those were like throwaways. Uh, it just it wasn't a good day for Taylor Heineke, a couple of absolutely baffling decisions, including ones that led to a, one that led to a turnover. Um, it, yeah, he, he just didn't play very well. So you got, you, you were the beneficiary of bad quarterbacking. Congratulations. And we make no apologies for that, right? If they're going to be bad, they're going to make mistakes. A good team punishes those mistakes. So the Vikings did punish those mistakes when they caught the interceptions, right? When they got the fumble, um, good teams punish mistakes, bad teams make mistakes. So, yeah, no, no uh, apologies there. But I don't think like looking at Derek Carr, I don't think we're going to get that same kind of recklessness uh, and that same level of inaccuracy and poor decision making. We're going to have to beat that a different way, which hey, that's a question for tomorrow. Um, but the one thing I really want to talk about is Daniel Hunter, and he got a ton of praise from Brian Flores in this one. And he, you know, really popping off the tape. And I see exactly what he's which plays he's talking about. Um he did not get a sack in this game. He didn't get on the stat sheet really a lot. And if you were just to look at that, it would really mislead you, which is kind of funny considering that Daniel Hunter still holds the league lead in sacks, or I think he's tied for it. Uh, so he's been incredibly productive. <laughs> and yet, at times, his production underestimates him. Uh, he's having an absolutely lights-out season, Daniel Hunter is. Like, it's crazy how good this season is. Like, if he actually hits the free agent market, he's making himself so much money. He's probably, I mean, he's making himself money either way because the Vikings should pay the absolute heck out of him. And if they want to let someone else have that privilege, that's their loss. Uh, but one thing that Hunter did really, really well in this one that stopped the Falcons from being able to get anything going on the ground at all until the very end of the game was set the edge. So I want to talk about why it's important to set the edge, especially in the way that run games work in the modern NFL and, and how Hunter is so good at it and how you can really see his absence when they do that to the other side of the field. Today's episode is brought to you by DoorDash and DoorDash has also fueled my last week where I've been under the weather, haven't been able to cook really, uh, haven't had the energy to go out and, you know, grocery shop or go out and pick up food. DoorDash has been unbelievably clutch. Also fantastic when it's game time and you don't want to miss a play. Just order something right to your door, wings, tacos, whatever it is. Find somewhere that is local to you as well. They've got in the DoorDash app, they have a like local places you haven't heard of kind of category and you can scroll through that and find some places that, uh, you know, the, the, the sorts of hole in the walls that uh, you, you may not have stumbled upon otherwise. I found a couple near me that I really enjoy. So uh, go to the DoorDash app. And if you're new, download the DoorDash app for the first time and enter code LOCKED23 and you can get up to 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. Once again, download the DoorDash app, enter code LOCKED23, and get half off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order. Subject to change, terms apply.
everybody and their mother is running outside zone now. They're, everybody's a zone run team, right? Now, there are some teams that are mid zone. There's some teams that are outside zone, some that, or you might call it like wide zone, some teams that are, uh, you know, inside zone. Like there's variance within that, but everybody is doing zone running. And one of the principles of zone running, unless you're doing like the true Gary Kubiak wide zone that the Vikings did in like 2019, um, the tackle, the play side tackle, so the tackle on the same side as the running back is supposed to go, is usually kicking out a guy or driving a guy uh, instead of trying to reach block, which means to overtake that defender and get over, like across his face and then seal him off from the from the front side. You're just picking him up and trying to move him laterally as much as you can. Um, when you are that guy that is getting blocked by the play side tackle. Anytime the, the a team runs at Daniil Hunter, Daniil Hunter is that guy. Daniil Hunter is the guy taking the tackle and contending with a drive block, not necessarily a reach block. So for him, it's not that important to do what the Falcons defensive tackles were doing, where they're trying to move super laterally. For him, it's it's a game of standing your ground. It's called setting the edge. And setting the edge is a very thankless job. You don't get a lot of production setting the edge because running backs, if you properly set the edge, running backs cut away from you. Um, if you do get tackles setting the edge, it's because a running back thought he could get the edge on you and either that guy's an idiot or you your, your play started out poorly and you recovered. But either way, it's a rare circumstance. Um, Daniil Hunter put out clinic tape in setting the edge. I mean, absolutely beautiful, beautiful tape in, in setting the edge. And that funnels a lot of tackles into Harrison Phillips and Kyrie's Tonga and Jordan Hicks and Ivan Pace. Um, those guys are going to be the ones, you know, getting the credit for all of that. But it starts with setting the edge. And if you think about this as a spatial, a spatial game, from the offensive perspective, you know what? Let me go to the whiteboard. So for those of you who are just listening, which is most of you, ignore this, uh, but I've, I've done a visual aid, so if you want to check it out on YouTube, you can. I'll still be as descriptive as possible. So when it comes to setting the edge, there's two things that are important. One is you have to hold your ground, because if the offense is able to get their linemen to really push guys over and make a really big lane between the tackle and the guard, a big B gap. That's exactly where the run wants to go. So part of your job is to force that tackle to squeeze it way down. And whether the run is toward you or not, it's really important to squeeze that space. You basically want the, the gap to the inside of you to be as narrow as possible. Even if that means a bigger gap to your outside, that's a longer path and you got defensive backs that are coming to help, so you kind of only have to buy time in a certain kind of run fit. In the other kind of run fit, you want to essentially deny that outer path and uh, funnel the run back into the meat grinder where you've got your Harrison Phillips and you've got your Tongas and your Roys and your linebackers all coming. Um, so it depends on on the, the defensive play calling. We don't have to worry about that too much today. What I want to emphasize, though, is either way, you want that to squeeze down. So you want to park yourself in uh, 
in the C gap outside the tackle. There's a great quote. It's from uh, a hard knocks. I think it was the Browns many years ago with Greg Williams and everybody gave him a lot of guff for it, but he just said, put your T's in the B in the C gap, park them there. So park yourself right outside the tackle in the C gap. The B gap is on the other side of the tackle in between the tackle and guard. And the A gap is between the, the guard and center. Put yourself in the C gap so that this run just cannot go this way so that the running back, no matter how much he wants to, cannot bounce that run outside. He has to cut it back to the inside. And when he cuts it back to the inside and tries to get that B gap, you've also squeezed it down and made it really tight. So it's hard to get through him and there's a clog of bodies and now he's just trying to improvise and you've, you've stopped the run. But it all starts there at setting the edge. It all starts with how wide you've allowed that gap to be and how good of a job you've done at staying in the gap that you're supposed to stay in. Hunter not only does a great job of doing that, but he also finds ways to get penetration, to get himself actually into the backfield where then he can start closing things down and blowing stuff up and absolutely destroying it. This visual aid is hilarious. <laughs> you should go look at it. It's the etchings of a madman. I hope that makes a little bit of sense to you. Uh, if not, try the visual aid if you're not already watching on YouTube or uh, on, on a smart TV. Uh, but otherwise, I, I, if, if there's one thing to take from it, it's just that Daniil Hunter is good at not just the flashy stuff. He's great at getting sacks, leading the league in such a category. Uh, and, you know, really flashy, sexy pass rushes that get to the quarterback, you know, hyena leap, all these cool highlight plays that you can go cut to music later. But for me... It's when he does the dirty work that his impact is even greater because that elevates everybody else's game. A sack is really cool, makes it so nobody else had to be good, uh, but setting the edge is where it all starts, and that affects pass rush too because it affects the play-action game. Uh, it, it all, I mean, everything's symbiotic in, in football, right? And the way that Daniil Hunter does that unsexy work is helping Jordan Hicks have a better season. It's helping Ivan Pace have a better season and Phillips and all of those guys. Not that they, they don't deserve their, you know, their own credit for their own play, but it's a team game. Uh, and Daniel Hunter is, uh, he's the most important player on the defense, bar none. And I think he's earning himself a payday, whether it's in purple or otherwise. Uh, tomorrow is Ross crossover day. So we'll talk to Ross Jackson. He does locked on saints. We do locked on NFL together too, uh, on Tuesdays. So you should go check us out there. We have a lot of fun on locked on NFL. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the Ross crossover. Um, I'll see you all for that. And then of course our usual Friday routine with bold predictions and uh, some prize picks should be pretty fun. I'll see y'all for that. And as always skull. <laughs>